This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Prizer, and with me in studio today is a fascinating woman. I'm really excited for this conversation. Claire Walsh is with me and she is a free diver, a year-round swimmer and a teacher of breathwork courses. She was also the first person to represent Ireland at the Free Diving World Championships in 2019. Born and raised in landlocked County Kildare, she now lives by the coast with her husband, Booty. B- booty. I was like, how do I pronounce this? Booty. Um, welcome to Thank the show. You. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so I have your book. I haven't read it because I just got my hands on it. Um, it's called Underwater. I'm so excited to read it. Tell me, like, how did, just tell me everything. Tell me a little bit about what's in the book. How did this, get, how did this go? Someone approached me a while ago and asked me, you know, have I ever thought about writing a book? And like, you know, it was like someone asking me, you know, have you ever thought about writing, you know, running a marathon? I was like, well, yeah, haven't done any training or looked into anything beyond that. And it was kind of one of those something I'd love to do someday. Mm-hmm. So the idea, I suppose, grew legs. I approached an agent. We put together a proposal. It got pitched and so on. And uh, I remember my dad asking me, um, so what's it going to be about? And you're sitting there going, I haven't a clue. And when I, you know, the further I got into proposal, I had a chat with Ruth Fitzmaurice mm-hmm. and she's I asked her, you know, how do you write? Ruth Fitzmaurice? So Ruth Fitzmaurice, yes, yeah, she wrote uh, an absolutely beautiful book called I Found My Tribe. It is so beautiful. And I know Ruth from the Cove and Greystones. So I asked her, so Ruth, you know, how do you write a book? And she shrugged her shoulders and said, how do I know? She's written a book. But she did say, um, just write what your soul needs to tell. Yeah. And I kind of rolled my eyes at the time, but it was ex- actually exactly what I needed to hear. Okay. And when someone appro- when someone asked you, like, would you think of writing a book, what was it about your, I guess, your personality or what, what made them ask you that question? Like, is it something like, are you on Instagram telling stories? Yeah, I am on Instagram. And I, I suppose I, I started on Instagram when I was, you know, um, competing in the world championships and since then I've done a little bit more free diving but I've done a lot less uh, having been in Ireland during the pandemic so I suppose I try on my Instagram to just share what's going on okay so, so take me way back okay. to before the free diving yeah how did you like what was going on in your life that brought you to the free diving I went traveling I went traveling in 2015 and I had I, I was trying new things so mm-hmm. trying whatever zip lining abseiling the whole lot doing scuba diving what and country are we in now we're, we're, we're all over Central and South America I literally did the most inefficient trail I went up okay. and back and up and back so I tried scuba diving really liked that I love being in the water and always have um, and it was at some point in 2015 and I saw a group of lads and they swam down into a cave and out the other side. And I thought this was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Did they already know there was a way out? <laughs> I'm hoping so. Okay. So I had tried to follow them down, but my ears stopped me. So came came up and later on, on that evening, um, I asked them really casually, I hope, you know, what was that? So they described freediving, a course they had done a couple of weeks back. So being quite competitive with myself, I... 
I wanted to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. So I came back to the hostel, Googled where it was, and there was a course running in Utila. I was in Belize, so I took a flight, bus, boat, train, Mm -hmm. everything to get there. Once I arrived in Utila. Are you traveling on your own? Yeah. Or dragging someone? Okay. No, no, traveling on my own. And once I arrived in Utila, that was it. I remember booking, I think, 10 scuba dives and I booked the beginner's free dive course. And I gave away those scuba dives to someone else. So I've never put a tank on my back since. So what, like, what did you learn at that class? What is free diving apart from... Like, you know, we all know how to like swim and then in the bottom of the pool, pick up one of those little toys that they, you know. And that's how I started as well. Yeah. So free diving is a sport of holding your breath underwater um, and it's measured in time, in depth, in distance. Does it change? Like, is it easier to hold your breath for longer at a shallow level than deep? Not particularly. I suppose it all comes down to efficiency of movement. So if you're lying still. So, for example, there's a discipline called static. And you're doing just that lying static on the surface of the water. And that will typically be your longest breath hold. Okay. Um, How long can you do? 5.59. You're joking. You can stay for almost six minutes. Almost six, not six just yet. It gets me every time. So almost six minutes. Without breathing. Yeah. You would give, you'd be great to like give someone a fright, wouldn't you? Like you just float in the pool. And have done. <laughs> oh God, you're so cruel. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's How long does it take to build up to 5.59? It took me a couple of years to get there. I started, I think, around four and then I went backwards. Okay. For quite a long time. I was stuck at three and then Why I, would I you built go backwards? up. Um, well, that's, I suppose that's the other side of free diving or a really big part of it is the mental aspect. Okay. So I was at four, I wanted to do more and I was approaching it in a kind of a bulldoze my way through it. Mm-hmm. And that just does not work. And to go back to an earlier question, you know, why free diving? And I think that's the answer. I approach and I think a lot of people approach things with the, you know, a kind of a great, uh, gritting your prove. teeth. Yeah. You know, push through, no pain, no gain, all that kind of mentality that surrounds us. But with free diving, it doesn't, really work I think you have to look at your relationship with yourself and for years before that you know I I was ticking the boxes in terms of looking at a relationship with myself but there were a lot of things that I was skipping over Mm -hmm. for example you know meditation or being in the moment or you know using those sort of techniques for stress reduction but, you know, I was doing everything right. Right, I was doing counselling and lots of physical activity and so on and so forth. But with freediving, you have to be honest with yourself. There's no lying, you know. In what sense? In that, like, oh, I'm fine. I am relaxed. Um, yeah, I am in the moment. I am in the moment. I just want to beat that time. You know, those okay. two things don't actually match. So you kind of, you call yourself out in your own bullshit, I find. Mm-hmm. And that's something... You know, it's not like you learn it once and then it's boxed off or good. You keep coming back to. So I've been out of competitive freediving since the end of 2019. Why? Because, because of the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah, it does, it does, you can't do it here. Uh, you can train, but in terms of depth, which is the disciplines that I like, we don't have access to that sort of depth here. So how deep can you go? Um, <laughs> 59 metres. So you can see. The, yeah, I know. Really, I know. The I sixes s- are really getting me. Sorry, 59 metres. So mm-hmm. imagine... Liberty f- Hall is 59 metres. Oh, wow. So mm. you can dive. F- but what... Does that not include... 
So you can go 15, so 9 down, down, down to be able to and then back, back up. up. Yeah. But the thing is, and that's a really um, frequent question, you know, what happens about coming back up? If there's any difficulty with you coming back up, you probably won't have gotten down there in the first place, if that makes sense. So no, if there's on. something about your... So the question I get asked a lot is, are you ever worried they're going to run out? Yeah. Mm, if I'm worrying about that on my way down, my brain is going to stop me. Okay. It'll go, you know what, Claire? Not today. Those thoughts aren't helpful. Let's get back up. We need to redress something here. Okay. So I'm going down knowing, whether rightly or wrongly, that I will come back up. Um, there has been times when that hasn't happened. For example, I was diving in uh, my first dive in the World Championships I dived down, I made the depth. Where are we? So we're in Nice. Okay. We're in Nice in Villefranche. Villefranche in Nice in France. And in the sea? In the sea. In open water. World Championships. Um, it's been recorded. Uh, it's, it's streamed live. Mm -hmm. uh, loads of people tuning in to watch. It was the very first dive my parents saw me do. Mm -hmm. You know, it made big song dance of it on Instagram. You know, I put all my eggs in one basket. I went down. Took the tag, which means you've gotten to the end. I came back up and I don't remember the end. OK. So what I had done was I had continued my swim to the surface. I was on autopilot. I came to the surface and I blacked out. But you were breathing. I was breathing, but I blacked out. So does that mean it doesn't count? Yeah. So I disqualified a dive. But what, what does the blackout, what does the blackout look like to someone observing you at that point? So it can look like a whole lot of things. And actually, that was the first thing that came into my head because it can look like loads of things. So I was shitting it about what my mum and dad Had might have seen because mm -hmm. I've seen some of them and they look terrifying. But having watched the video afterwards, it's like, do you ever fall asleep on the bus and your head kind of nods forward? And yeah. You do that weird kind of jerking back up. That's what it looked like. And sometimes that's how it feels like. You don't remember the point where, you know, I'm conscious. Now suddenly I'm not. It's like just dozing off to sleep. It doesn't hurt. And physiologically, what's happening? Like, do you did you lose consciousness on the way back up and then just float to the surface? No, it's obviously break the water conscious and then pass out. Yes, I broke the water conscious. So you're you're running, you're running low on oxygen. Mm -hmm. So your body protects itself by shutting off conscious thought. Okay. So you lose consciousness, you know, in the in that stage before that. I don't remember. So things kind of went fuzzy, but I was still. And conscious. how long were you unconscious, or were you blacked out for? Oh, I think it's probably seconds. Right. Um. So how know, do they know that you are, like, how can they disqualify you? Could they you saw me. So when you come to the surface, you do um what's called surface protocol, which is a series of movements to tell the judges that you're conscious perfectly compassmentous and, you know, conscious. So you do you remove your facial equipment, which is either a mask or a nose clip. You signal an OK sign. So if anyone's done any sort of diving, they'll know the OK sign. And then you say, I'm OK. Then you wait 30 seconds for them to make sure you can keep yourself above the surface. And after that, they have a little chat and they give you one of three three cards. So a white card is a clean dive. OK. Yellow card means you might have turned early or there's some sort of penalty. And then a red card is you're gone. No good. So what 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 does turning early mean? So turning early means if I announce a 50 meter dive and something goes wrong on that dive, for example, my ears might feel a bit congested or sticky mm -hmm. and I can't equalize, then I turn early and just come back up. OK. So I won't have reached my target. Depth. How deep was that dive? 
that was a shallow dive that was 30 meters and it was a discipline called no fins which would be arguably the most nerve-wracking and probably the purest so you're going down on on your own um and you're in going a wetsuit, a swimsuit. in a wetsuit uh, with all your with all your gear but you're not using fins for that one okay. so it looks like a form of breaststroke it is incredible to watch yeah. uh, when someone does it really well um, have you done it since successfully no okay <laughs> I definitely have something in my head about that de- that discipline taking a break from the show to tell you about our sponsor humdingermortgages.ie your new gaff without the faff humdinger are an award winning mortgage brokerage and they specialise in finding the right mortgage for you the best part is that you deal with the broker and they deal with every major bank in the Irish market so you don't have to trawl around talking to loads of people they also make the best recommendation on what's the best way to proceed for you specifically and they stay at your side to help you at every step of the way from application to drawing down your mortgage they're in the mortgage business right not the application business they have absolutely no interest in putting you through the ringer and getting you to fill out loads of forms without getting a mortgage at the end and they're really honest from the get-go about what the problems might be with your application but then they don't abandon you they will stay by your side and give you the best advice on how to make sure that you are successful the next time you apply they specialize in helping first-time buyers people looking to trade up and people like me who are looking to save ourselves some money by switching our mortgage for a better rate and like for me i'm going to switch my mortgage i'm working with humdinger because like a reduction of even 0.5 percent on my mortgage rate can save me like 30 grand in interest over the whole term of my mortgage Mortgages are the biggest financial decision you are ever going to make. So take advantage of speaking to experts and go to humdingermortgages.ie to begin your journey. So how many disciplines are there in freediving? In in depth, there is constant weight, which is with um, either a pair of bifins, which is two sets of fins, or there's one called a monofin. Um, which, you look like a mermaid. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. really cool to watch. And then there's free immersion, pulling yourself down on a rope. And then there is no fins, okay. which is. <laughs> and on the cover or on the back of this book, mm-hmm. I see you coming down on a rope. That's free immersion. Mm-hmm. And are you also connected to that rope on your foot? So I'm connect. Yeah. So I have a lanyard um, connected to my foot and then onto the line. Almost so that- so you'd be connected to a surfboard. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So that's a safety precaution in case there are currents. Um, okay. Or you get disorientated, you know, you're you're still connected to the line. And how long are those dives? Deep are those dives? Um, it really varies on depth. Um, and depending from person to person, I'm a really slow diver, okay. which isn't ideal, but certainly I take I take my sweet time, uh, but enjoying it. But isn't that a is that a like it's you're not meant to be fast, is it? Are you like is it you're timed mm. on how long you can be under there? No, you're so for that that's purely depth. OK, so so that's it can take you one minute to get there or three minutes. OK, so if I'm thinking about, you know, I'm at 59 at the moment. So if I want to go to 70 in the future, I need to speed that dive time up because you quite know a bit. you can only stay under the water a certain long. amount of time. Exactly. Okay. So you either have to expand how long you can stay underwater or how quickly you can. Yeah. Get down and up. Yeah. And it is it's finding that sweet spot in terms of efficiency of energy. Um, to get them down there and back safely with enough oxygen. How do you train for this? Um, Just keep doing it? There are So there's, I guess, training cycles like there are with any sport. So there's a baseline fitness to have in the first place. Um, there's a huge mental aspect, uh, which is probably the most important. Mm-hmm. And then there is, of course, you know, building, as you said, you know, time underwater. Um, and then, you know, techniques. So there are lots and lots of different ways. At the moment, 
I am, I suppose, starting from scratch a little bit. I'm building up base level fitness. I'll be working with a coach who will help me do what's called dry training. So I don't necessarily need to be in the water or away. Um, and then and then we'll go from there to work uh, more specifically for whatever I, I hope to do. And so is it so there's the disciplines, there's depth. Mm hmm. Is there speed? So we have depth, we have pool disciplines and they're measured in distance. So that's, you know, underwater or it's also static. What can you do in the pool? I haven't done, I haven't tested pool in a long time. I'm talking probably since I started. So I don't even know at this stage. So the pool disciplines are, you know, with fins and that no fins again and then static, which is, like I said, the longest amount of time you can just lie You can hold your breath. Yeah. And how, what's the... That, so you're 5.59. What, yeah. what are we at for like world champion? World record um, is held by a diver called Natalia Mulchnova and she is 9.02. Nine minutes without mm. oxygen. Yeah, it's Nine crazy, isn't it? It's, and I watched a video of that dive. It's so impressive because she lifts her head out of the pool and signals and does her surface protocol as if it's nothing. But then why didn't she stay longer? Because she knew the time to come up, okay. you know, pushing herself longer could have changed things. You know, nine oh two is and is she impressive. just floating on water or is there lying still, lying still? And there's okay. someone beside her uh, as a coach, and then there's judges who will sit on the poolside. So is she, because to lie still in water, like you kind of have to do a little bit of movement to stay without like floating off. So you might have a coach with you and they can put their hand on your back. Oh, really grand, simple. Okay. A lot of divers don't like that. I like it because I get the spinnies. Yes. When you have your eyes closed, you feel like, you know, you're moving a lot more than you are. So I like a firm hand one of on the my thing, back. I love to swim. Mm. But one of the things that I find difficult is that I don't know what to think. Like I get bored because there's only like four strokes and mm -hmm. I'm only proficient in three of them. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, I've done these now. I'm just going to swim up again and down again. And my thoughts... Like it doesn't distract me the way like gym or cardio, yeah. like I can get out of my head. I'm always in my head in the yeah. pool. What are you thinking about for five minutes and 59 seconds? Um, are you I'm doing a lot of things. So there is different. Well, I break them up in different into different stages. The first part, like yourself, I need something to anchor me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't want. I don't want to let my mind wander. I don't want to give a free rein because invariably it'll take me somewhere negative. Mm -hmm. Even if it's something as simple as you're a little bit hungry. Yeah. I think, do you know what? Why don't we leave it for today and we just go and get whatever? You know, yeah. your brain will just start throwing in little roadblocks. So for the first part, I distract myself and I usually do it by singing a song. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't anything profound. It's no amazing piece of music. I know I've done a breath hold to Mary Had a Little Lamb, mm -hmm. just repeating those words again and again and again. So it's something to hook your brain onto a little bit. When it starts to feel a little bit uncomfortable, um, usually the, the song falls away and that's when I have a little bit of a chat with myself. Mm -hmm. So if it's just again, no, you're not hungry, you know, yeah. we're fine. You have your lunch afterwards, whether it's just to redirect a little bit or uh, checking in. Where can I soften? Have I actually, unbeknownst myself, made my fingers into a fist? No, I haven't. OK, so they're nice and soft. So just running, what you know, a typical body scan. Mm -hmm. And then the next section is the fight section. Yeah. Uh, and that's really interesting. So it is. It's what you tell yourself during periods of high discomfort. Mm -hmm. I can do this or mm, 
that's been the most interesting phase in terms of learning about myself. So I find a way that really works for me is playful curiosity, mm-hmm. playing the what if game. What if I wait just another five seconds? What happens after this wave? What if I relax my st- and so on? You're giving yourself little things to think about, little tasks to do that is essentially extending the period of time you're holding your breath for. Do you practice holding your breath outside of water? Yeah, I should. <laughs> I should do a lot more than I do. Mm. And should you be able to hold for longer outside of water than in water? A lot of people can. I never can because there's not the same distractions. Mm-hmm. All I think about is how uncomfortable I am. Whereas in the water, you're somewhat supported. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you know, you're face down. So even if you think about taking a big breath and how your chest might swell, that pressure can feel a little bit uncomfortable if I was just lying in my bed. But if you have the resistance of the water against you, it kind of balances itself out. Yeah. And the terrific thing about the water is the sound. So it just it strips away that sense and you have that kind of, again, that underwater um, sound in your ear, which just quietens things. Kind of an amniotic comfort. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. Tell us about your, like, tell me about some dives that are noteworthy. I, you've told us about the first one that your parents saw. Yeah. And in a way, I think that's probably my most important dive. It's not my favourite. Yeah. Uh, by a long shot. But, and it's funny, because obviously I've written about it and I've just recorded an audio book, you know, the audio book and reading. Now, there's a breathless. Yeah. That's a breath. I remember recording my audio book. It's and tough. It's so tough. My lungs were sore. My voice was sore. <laughs> I felt like I'd smoked a box of fags. I was like, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. I can't. You do never this become day. so aware of how many sounds your body makes. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, that Yeah, that was definitely a task. But reading that dive aloud, you know, I've read it hundreds of times at this stage, but it's still caught in my throat. And I don't want to say, you know, like, I'm glad it happened that way. Uh-huh. I'm really glad. I really wish it hadn't. But it's definitely a dive I've learned the most from. Uh-huh. But there have been some other absolutely incredible dives. Um, but, but, but one in particular was I made a trip out to Dahab in 2020 Where in is October. That? Dahab is in Egypt. OK. So it's where I most often go to dive. Um. And that first dive and, you know, you're it's like it doesn't fit anymore because you haven't done it for a while and there's so much adaptation to be done. But the predominant feeling was I'm here. I didn't think I would get out, mm-hmm. you know, th- that year. And I just was so excited to be back. But better yet, I, there was, I was just so grateful. My body remembered how to do it. It wasn't comfortable. Um, I certainly wasn't the best I've ever been. But it remembered. And there was such a lovely trust in that. You know, so when you do go home, it's not like you're losing it completely. Mm-hmm. It's there and can be trained and can How be strengthened. How do you train your ears to tolerate it? So a re- we play we play freediver bingo. Yeah. So if I'm out in Dahab and among all freedivers and we go to dinner that evening, invariably the talk will come back to equalisation. It's really, really boring. So equalization is balancing your ears against the pressure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, in scuba diving, you do it by, you know, pinching your nose and sending air up to your eustachian tubes. Um, 
divers do it in different ways and there needs to be specific techniques to go deep. I'm a little bit unusual. I can equalize them involuntarily so I don't have to touch or do anything. How? Um, you don't I don't fully know. I, I'm doing it right now. Okay. Uh, it's almost like at the very start of a yawn, you know, when your ears click. Yeah. It's that. So I can do that myself. And a lot of people can do it on land, but they can't necessarily take that underwater. So they how can. do other people do it? Like, do they have to pinch their nose? Yes, they pinch the nose or they wear a nose clip um, and they can equalise then against that. So that's mm-hmm. essentially pinch, pinching their nose for them. Um, and then there are other techniques um, ho- involving holding mouth, holding air in your mouth. And, you know, it's it's kind of... A so convers- you're just trading, trading secrets. Yeah, pretty much. Table. And everyone obviously is so, so different. Um, it's a bit of one of those uh, endless pieces of string. And what are those like what like on that first class that you had? Mm. Like, is it a case that if you can swim, you can dive? Mm-mm. No, definitely not. And also you don't need to be able to swim to dive. OK, my husband's sure helps, a no. brutal swimmer. Like he's awful. But he can he's a good diver. Uh, yeah, he can keep himself up. Um, I remember I had a student and uh, she's a beginner. And we were out on the buoy and it's like whatever, 30 metres deep. And she said, um, this is great. I've never been in the deep end of the sea before. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I've never been in the deep end of the sea. I'm like, again, I don't know what that means. She'd never been out for depth. Oh, wow. And she decided to try free diving. Now, she was with a friend who was following a buoy and as many of those stories go. So she found herself on a buoy with 30 metres of depth below her. Did she do it? She did it and she did flipping brilliantly. But we had to work quite hard at that one because once that, once that, I suppose, sensation of, oh, my God, I'm completely out of my depth here. All the thoughts came in. in. Yeah. So we did quite a lot of work on relaxation. But I'll never forget that. I've never been in the deep end of the sea before. All right. <laughs> so what are the skills if it's not swimming? Um, Comfort in water. OK, that's the big one. So usually if you're a swimmer, you're comfortable in water doesn't always match up but usually uh, you are um, comfort in water and ability to relax mm-hmm. a really big part of preparing for a dive is how you breathe so we have what's called a breathe up and that's a routine you'll do whether it's on your back or on your front and through a snorkel and that prepares you to hold your breath so that's really about relaxation This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written or ghostwritten. If you ever read about Elizabeth and Jessica, the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. Of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnapping, stolen boyfriends and school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. What do you do just that moment before you do the dive? Like, what is that first, what is that last breath like? Is it a big, like... I now have to fill my lungs. Yeah, it's a really big breath. Okay. And it's funny, I think there there were some schools in freediving who used to call it the last breath, which is terrifying. It's not going to be your last breath. It's just a big breath. Um, we, You know, you kind of think, OK, so this is my last breath before I dive. So it needs to be a really, really big one. But if I've been floating on the surface of the water, really chilled out for 
10 minutes and then suddenly I use this almost Hulk like energy to suck oxygen in. I've just negated everything I've done. Okay, I've just yeah. undone all the relaxation. So again, it's this balance of bringing in as much air without using tension or um, turning your headspace into I need to do this. I have to, you know, into, you know, a hard headspace, mm-hmm. as I would call it. Um, so it's big without being tense. Okay. So efficiency is kind of the key to most of it. I'm just so fascinated by it. And then in terms of the competition, like, are there cameras underwater to prove that you're doing what you're doing? Or like, is there a form? You know the way, so like, in sw- I used to swim competitively mm. and, you know, they can see under the water yeah. if your kick is screw or if you, you know, yeah. touch the wall with both hands. Are there forms while you're swimming? Or is it just get the thing at the bottom and Get come the up? thing at the bottom, pretty much. There is, so there are some rules. So for example, um, at the bottom, there's one metre and that meter is covered in red tape. So it's called the candy cane. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing a discipline where you don't touch the rope, which is constant weight or uh, no fins, you can pull the rope at the bottom within that the candy cane. Okay. So if your hand reaches a little bit above, that would be a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is um, cameras. There's usually a camera at the bottom plate. That's usually someone's GoPro yes, yeah. <laughs> gets wrapped to it and that, that is at the bottom plate. But there now is... It looks like a, it actually looks like a minion, a camera called Divey, and that now records um, some of the bigger competitions. For example, a pal of mine was competing in Vertical Blue last year, and Vertical Blue is the uh, the top competition. It's the Wimbledon yes. of free diving, and you have to be invited to compete. Where is it hosted? In Bahamas, oh, cool. Blue Hole in Bahamas. So he he was diving in it. So it was amazing. Like, it's incredible to be able to sit on your couch and follow him 112 metres is what he did yeah. uh, below the surface. And so is that like whoever gets to the bottom wins? Whoever gets the lowest wins? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And yeah. what was the deepest? Um, I'm not 100% sure. He Or what's the world record? World record in that, in that discipline is 130. Wow. Which is, again, incredible. It is. It's just and what you can do, 59? And are you are you like adamant about getting back to it now or are you kind yeah, of done? Yeah, I'm really determined. I think I don't know whether it's a mixture of COVID lockdown. I also have long COVID. So that's definitely changed my abilities considerably. Oh, well, yeah. Not just your lung capacity. my lung capacity, but my, my physical ability. Mm-hmm. You know, walking long distances can be a struggle. So, you know, that that does bring everything back to, to basics. So that's a really big factor. Um, I've just gotten married, so I now have to tie someone else in with my plans. Thank you. But he's also into um, diving. He is into diving. Um, but I think reflecting and writing the book made a huge difference about why I dive. So before, when I set out to compete in the World Championships, it was a little bit of a hmm, filling a void, proving something to maybe other people, mainly to myself. Uh, It was an all in project. And now I want to dive for me. I want I'm really curious to see how much more I can do. I'm I'm pretty sure I can do a lot more. The World Championships wasn't that that one where you blacked out. Yeah, Yeah, it was. was Oh, first dive the World Championships. Oh, very first one. It's great. Um, But I think my intention behind free diving is probably a little bit purer now. Yeah. I can take my time. 
I can explore and it's something that I, I need for me now rather than to whatever compete it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you so your book came out last week mm-hmm. it's called Underwater by Claire Walsh where can people find it and where can people find you in any of the bookshops and people can find me at clairewalshlife.com or on Instagram at clairewalshlife Claire Walsh Life thank you so much it's been a pleasure talking to you and that is another episode of Basically if you have any messages for me or for Claire you can find us on Instagram at Claire Walsh at Stephanie Preisner we are part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network we're produced by Julie Hassett today our music is by Only Ruin and our graphic design is by Kahalo Gara see you next week This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.